listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, Denver? Chris Lopez here, back for our Wednesday Live with our drinks and deep dive into a really cool deal today uh, that actually Lauren put together, quarterbacked it. It was a great duplex that we helped a client sell 1031 and uh, just move the equity on the better things for his portfolio and also buying a really cool second home. Lauren, good to have you in the studio. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a great real estate success story. So... I'm excited to be able to dive dive into this one. Yeah, this is uh this is a this is a really cool one because I mean I'm gonna give some highlights and you fill them because you're a lot more familiar with this. This okay. is a client that we did not help buy the property five in five or six years ago, but he helped we helped sell it a couple months earlier this year. So he bought a duplex in Denver in 2015, right? Correct. Yeah, and give give some give some more uh, details on on the property. Yeah, so he bought this in 2016, purchase price at 575. I think it was listed at 600, and he was able to get it 25k under the list price, which was great. Um, and he came to us to try and figure out what the next best step was. You know, it was cash flowing. He had great renters in there, but him and his wife started to kind of just think about, you know, hey, we're in a great market. Is it time to take advantage of this market and? be able to use this asset to 1031 and to a dream mountain property for them. So um, they came to us, They we looked at some different scenarios, holding it, selling it, doing a cash out refinance. And just through all of the homework that we did with them, we found out it makes probably the most sense for them to go ahead and sell it. Yeah. And we'll go through that, that the analysis in the spreadsheet here in a couple of months, because it's, it's really really fast thing, especially with, with these numbers we're looking at here, because we all know, you know, last five years, there's been some appreciation here in Denver or quite a bit. Um, but before we jump into this, the more details properties, we often get people saying, Hey, how can I make money in a market like Denver? How can I make money in a market like Colorado where, you know, cash flow is, is tight now and it's been tight for a while, but we still have people making a lot of times a multiple six figure exit on a property. And it's really interesting in the market, the power of, Hey, it's a growing market through appreciation. And as you build equity, what options can you have that match up with like what your goals are, what's the best use of the property and how it all fits go with a bigger picture, which is just where like our team comes in play and we do yep. a great job on there. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, anytime you approach just a traditional real estate agent and you have somebody, you know, a seller coming to you, asking them for your professional advice, should I sell my, my property? And it's usually in the best interest to the potential listing agent they absolutely, you know, this is a hot market. Let's, it's always this, a great time to sell. It's always a great time to sell. So, you know, the added value, what we bring into, again, it's not just making that quick dollar for the client. It's also looking at, you know, what your future goals are and are you able to capitalize on this asset? So we've got a couple of photos that we can share. So mm-hmm. uh, Jules, if you can start showing those. And then while they're, while we're showing those photos, which is on the video and will be in the blog post for everyone listening out mm-hmm. there. Give everyone like a, just a minute overview about the property. Like what was the layout? What was it like? Like talk about the property. Mm-hmm. If you can click and talk at the same right. time. 
Yeah, so I'm just kind of clicking <laughs> through the aerial pictures here, just kind of shows you where the location is. So this is in Sloan's Lake. It was a single family home um, that was divided into a up-down duplex before our client purchased the property. So it was legally zoned um, actually to have three units on this property, um, but the previous owners, they had turned it into a legal duplex. So it was a total of six bedroom six bathroom with a three car garage duplex. Um, and what was really great and unique about this property too, is that it was built into a hill in a sense. So you can look at this picture I have on the screen right now. All of the square footage is technically above ground. So the bottom units, you know, is above ground, full, you know, lights, and then, you know, also the upstairs as well. And it had the three car garage. Um, it was already updated on the top units. And then the bottom unit is what our client went in and made some updates to it. So they upgraded like the flooring, the kitchen to today's, you know, standards, but being able to find a six bedroom, six bathroom, each unit, excuse me, had a three bedroom, three bathroom layout as well. So for this particular location, you could walk to the uh, Mile High Stadium. Meow Wolf just opened up right down the street, which is another great point of interest in Denver. You have Sloan's Lake, which we all know is a point of interest for a lot of young professionals. So this location really demanded high rents as well. And um, a really cool feature about the property is in that bottom unit, mm -hmm. there's that kind of like that one bedroom, one bath closet that had an exterior entrance plus a entrance interior mm -hmm. that could, you know, uh, lock off and Airbnb or rent out. Yep. So the downstairs unit had multiple points of uh, access. And so we did the air DNA report on the one bedroom, one bathroom. And that alone, you know, just generated so much potential income. So if somebody wanted to rent out the top unit, live in the bottom unit and rent an Airbnb short-term rent, that one bedroom, one one bathroom, that would just be a whole nother additional cash flow as well for them. And that was one of the cool things we had when it came to like time to market the property to, you know, on the listing side, our job is to get the most offers, highest and best price. Mm -hmm. You know, lots of great options on there for investment, you know, investors, investor potential mm -hmm. and also house act potential as well. Like yep. live in the bottom unit, Airbnb out the one, you know, the one, one unit there or whatever we want to do. Like it gave optionality, yep. which is always great when it comes to, you know, mm -hmm. when you're looking at buying or selling properties. Yeah, I would say pretty much on all of the buyers that walk through there, it was a pretty good split between investor and owner occupant, which was pretty impressive. Um, and it ended up, the first offer that we got ended up being a true investor. They just needed a house to build out, you know, put their cash into their 1031. Um, we can go through the details later, but we ended up going under contract with an owner occupant, which I think is what we all predicted the property was going to go under contract with just because it provides, you know, great cash flow, great lifestyle and different options to really maximize the asset. Yeah. And so this is where, you know, kind of we're going to go in the spreadsheet next to everyone, but taking a step back, you know, go back. So they bought this in 2016, mm -hmm. you know, for over half a million dollars, which was, you know, expensive at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, of course, we've seen tremendous upside here, but they were able to live there. 
Um, great situation, great location while they're living there. I mean, awesome spot to be in and, you know, go, go live life, um, bring in income. They're able to, you know, live for free or mm-hmm. greatly reduce their, their mortgage expenses a lot throughout the time they're living there. Moved out, convert to rental, Mm-hmm. And then they were just able to play what we call adult, adult monopoly. They had their yeah. greenhouse. Uh, they were patient. They were on go for five or six years, let the market do its thing. They were disciplined investors. They could job maintaining it. Mm-hmm. And then they were able to sell it and go up into essentially a red hotel. Just take that equity and go out there and do you know better things with it. So I want to dive in the spreadsheet because this is, this is fun. Um, so this is our return on equity spreadsheet that we're looking at. So this is our return equity spreadsheet. We've gone through this uh, numerous times. Um, are you guys able to pull up on the screen so Lauren can see it? Um, sorry, we're uh, changing some monitors around right now. So as Lauren said, bought for about five seventy five. Yep. And then when they sold it, so they had an annual rent of about or uh, monthly rent just under five thousand dollars a month. Um, when they were going to sell it for, you know, traditional long-term rental upstairs, downstairs, and being able to rent out the garage out back as well. Uh, plugged in typical operating expenses, 5% vacancy, 10% property management, tax is about $3,200 a year, property insurance about $2,500 a year, and, you know, repairs, reserves, bumped up to about 10%. I mean, it's an older duplex. It's in great shape, but it's mm-hmm. still, what, 100 years old? I mean, like, there's going to be, there's an older one, right? Yeah, I would say their deferred maintenance was pretty low. They had a really great working, you know, boiler. Oh. Um, they had um, central air, and I would say we could run it at, at 8% because okay. there's quite a bit of modern updates to the older property. Great. Well, we will, I'll change that. Plug in the current financing numbers. Won't go through all the all the details on here because I'm gonna just jump to the summary page, keep it really simple. But what we're doing here is we are from a high level, we're taking their property, uh, not and we plugged in a lot of stuff what they bought it for, mm-hmm. and we're looking at it from like today's perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, months ago when we first started talking to clients, you know, what were their options? And it's always best to look at a property today. How is it performing today? And how's it performing in today's market as a current rental property? So we take that to compare, hey, is, you know, is this still a great rental mm-hmm. where we've gotten returns from? And it allows us to do an apples and apples comparison. Hey, if we, great, if we keep it, we got used to today's numbers versus you pull out money or you sell it to go buy other properties. It allows us for a current apples to apples comparison. Mm-hmm. So when we looked at the, uh, the options here for keeping it or the three options here of, of keep it, refinance or sell it. I mean, it, it was, I mean, we didn't have to run the spreadsheet. We knew it was going to make the most sense to sell it. Mm-hmm. And that's just because we had such a huge equity or not, such a huge appreciation, appreciation. run going up to equity. Yeah. But we look at this here. If they keep it, um, they're making about nine, no, 9% on their equity, which is the amount of money they have in their house. So current value minus loan balance, about 9% on their money, which is a good return, but it's not you know, necessarily great for real estate, especially this is a younger couple. They're still very much building, you know, building out their wealth and their future retirement plans. Um, now, if they did a refinance, they would be able to pull out some money. Mm-hmm. And this is where we run into two scenarios. If we did a maximum refinance, they could pull out a big chunk of money like up to like $300,000, potentially take this numbers with a, with a grain of salt. We get into some jumbo loan territory mm-hmm. here, but just for modeling purposes, could take out like $300,000 in equity, but now it turns into a negative cash flowing property. Yep. 
which is where it gets gets tough. It's like, hey, great, I pull out a lot of money, but is that worth having a native cash flowing asset? Which, generally speaking, I mean, we're we're not a fan of that. Yep, they were not comfortable with that. Yeah, and I I agree with them. Like, you want to have your 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 assets siloed so they can yep. stand their own two feet and they can still perform. Um, or if we do what's called more a safe out refinance, which is where you pull out some money, mm-hmm. but you still keep the property at like a healthy cash flow positive. Um, they'd pull out about $50,000. Yeah. And that wasn't enough for them to yeah. make that next next step in life, what they were trying to use the asset for. And that was to trade up and mm-hmm. go out there and they wanted to get buy something. a mountain property. Exactly. Yeah. That they could get more personal value out of. So, and it's just great. I mean, this is a great exercise because everybody has these conversations in their in their minds trying to figure out what's the best next step. But, you know, the simplicity of what you create with the spreadsheet you, you know, the numbers don't lie and it makes everybody feel so comfortable at making that decision for them for that next step. And it's, it's always like a light bulb goes off or it's always like a feeling of like relief that you see when we go through this exercise with our clients, because it's just right there in front of them. Yep. And it's cool too, because this is still like our modeling numbers we put here. We can compare right. it to the actuals and it right. actually came really, really close. Because what we do here, this we model it, then we say, great, now I have to go out and talk to a bunch of people, a lender, a 10 to be one person. Let's get a better, you know, uh, a lot of times people run a CMA on the property, get much more numbers on here. From high level overview. Um, Helps them steer themselves into at least taking two of the options away. Exactly. You know, now we can drill down into just two of these to figure out what makes the most sense. And we had modeled that if they sold it, they'd walk with about $530,000. Yep. Which is, I think, extremely close to what they end up walking away. Yeah, I was say extremely close. Also, yeah. and an insane amount of money. Yeah. not quite insane, but it's a lot. I mean, half yeah, million dollars amazing. is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, which, taking a step back, let's talk about this for a second because this okay. is one of the powerful things about the market mm-hmm. is that Denver's a growing city, and as cities grow, asset prices go up, and a lot of people forget about the the amount of money and wealth they can create through holding on to properties being patient for five or six years, um, buying a property in good location, and then take that equity and go redeploy it. And what was another cool thing about this was since they lived there for a while, they were able to exclude some of the money from cap mm-hmm. gains, um, capital gains since they lived there for that two out of five, and they were able to also then roll over some money in the 1031 mm-hmm. since essentially half the property's income property, half the property was a primary residence. Mm-hmm. So they gave them some really cool optionality and as Lauren said a few minutes ago, this is why, you know, it, it's what we like to do with people say, before you, you do anything, let's go through every option. Let's re- run through every detail. And we get a lot of stuff to do. And now you got like eight people to talk to. Mm-hmm. But we do this to avoid situations. And we've had clients like, oh, I, I'm, I've already got this property listed. Can you help us buy something? Oh, well, you kind of missed this fact or you missed this tax consequence. You actually can't mm-hmm. 1031. You can't do this. And yep. you shot yourself in the foot. Yep. Yeah, planning is extremely important when you go to sell a rental or investment property yeah. for that exact reason. Yeah. So uh, people ask us, oh, is it, I feel like, you know, I'm six months now. Is it too early? It's never too early to start planning yep. because we would rather people not pay, you know, taxes on $500,000. Yep. Um, <laughs> so that worked out extremely well. And so, you know, when it came to the listing strategy, mm-hmm. you talk about that because this was very, very a very unique property in a mm-hmm. great location and also i mean you did an amazing job of marketing it and getting drum, drumming up a lot of business or a lot of offers for the client as well how did that play out 
Well, timing was a very important key. It was definitely at, you know, the the peak of our sales season here. We still had very limited inventory. You know, prices were, you know, just continuing to go up. Um, and so, you know, as prices are going up, you know, you have to be creative on how can we make this higher price point home appealing to multiple different types of uh, buyers. You know, it was a single family home that was divided into two. So I really had to sell the story, um, you know, of house hacking and living in a prime area and being able to either completely subsidize your living expenses while you're living in the house um, or also if you really want to maximize it, you know, generate income while you're living in this house. So it's a higher purchase price, uh, premium area, but explaining, you know, in our listing, you know, of opening up the idea to potential buyers of, you know, this being a great house hack opportunity. Um, so we were able to create, you know, a um, OM and just being able to describe three different types of scenarios to three different types of potential buyers out there of using the Airbnb, um, being a traditional investor, um, you know, or just strictly just house hacking without the Airbnb. So we did the extra legwork and got all of those potential rent rates, uh, short-term rental income, and just laid out the scenarios extremely simple to where if you had a potential buyer that had an agent that maybe wasn't trained in this type of investing strategy, they could just download this little, you know, OM that we have. And it just explains, you know, very basically, you know, what if you end up buying this property, what this asset can be doing for, for you. Um, so that was really important for us. We didn't yeah. want to rely on other potential buyer agents to explain the story. Um, so, you know, we did our um, pictures we did. I actually um, had to be at all of the showings because it was tenant occupied. It was coming out of the high COVID times. So just wanting to ensure that, you know, the renters were being respected during this, you know, this time that they're vulnerable as well with their, their family. Um, we gave them gift cards. We put them up in Airbnb, Airbnbs again to, help the the renters um, you know feel like they were being respected again during this process and um you know allowing us the time to bring in all of the potential buyers into there so i think we had gosh over 45 showings um, we ended up getting um you know we ended up listing it at what we thought we knew for sure it was going to appraise at. there was very little comps in that area over a million um, and again, it's, we were able to use the market to our advantage of generating a lot of business, generating a lot of offers and working those offers against each other to create the best terms of not only purchase price, but on appraisal gap coverage, uh, inspection items as well. Cause at the end of the day, you know, we want to make sure, yes, they get the best offer price, but we want to, we have to focus on what are they going to net at the end of the day? Um, and so I think we had seven offers. They were all over a million and, um, ended up going under contract at, um, a little bit over like 1.21 with, uh, individuals and investor and they were 1030, 1031 into this property. And, um, we actually got a backup offer under contract as well with a great local agent here in town. And she has a lot of success of getting her clients under contract by doing backups at a little bit under like 1.15. 
um, the 1031, the first property uh, contract ended up falling out of contracts, um, you know, due to inspection. But we also think it was because they weren't able to sell that 1031 property. Because I drove by it the other day and I still saw the the, the sale sign. Oh, out interesting. In front of it. I know. Um, but yeah, it was great because we had already had a great backup offer signed and under contract. So, you know, it was great strategy of we try to shoot for the moon, but we knew the risk and we weighed the risks, you know, with our seller of, you know, it, it, what the, what the risk of going with the 1031 exchange property. Um, but we still had a great backup in hand and, um, was able to work through the contract with that second buyer. And that's, I mean, a, a big part of the reasoning with the, I think the original first offer, like, Hey, we know it's a little riskier, mm-hmm. but we've got, uh, you know, we got, People in second, third, fourth, we got a line deep here. Like, yep. cool, if this one doesn't work out, we've still got the right. other right. willing people that are still, you know, willing to do this. So let's talk about the importance of backup offer, both from like the listing side and like the buying mm-hmm. side of it. Because, I mean, and first define what a backup offer is. So if mm-hmm. I come to you, I'm the first mm-hmm. client on buying this duplex. I put in a contract. Um the second person goes in her backup. What does that mean from a contractual standpoint? And what does mm-hmm. that mean for the seller? What does it mean for the buyer? So the seller, it's great for the seller because they're able to negotiate terms during like that that hot period of time of the listing. Um, and so if you're trying to get something over list, it's great because if it falls out of contract and then goes back onto the market, you kind of lose that that steam behind it. And you don't have three or four other buyers trying to compete to work that secondary offer up. Um, so it's just good to strike the iron why it's why it's hot. It's extra work for the listing agent because you're negotiating two separate contracts. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it just gives a little bit of leverage to the seller knowing you have a backup during that inspection negotiation. But about 20% of real estate's contracts fall out of contracts. So being in a backup position as a buyer is fantastic. And there's really no financial commitment to that buyer as well. It's just that it's pretty much just says if the first position falls out, it'll automatically cue your property or your offer into the first position. Um, And that's when it triggers all the dates and deadlines. And that's whenever then within 24 hours of falling out, that's when the buyer in the second position has to turn in their earnest money. And how we write our backups too, is that when we're on the buy side, we still reserve the right for our buyer to go out and shop. So if they go in, you know, during that backup position, they find a better property that they like more, we would just terminate our backup position and there's no financial commitment or anything like like that. So it's kind of a way you can write multiple offers and, you know, and still know, especially in a, if you're doing a 1031, still know that you kind of have something in your yeah. back pocket that's worthwhile. Um, so, you know, um, again, the buyer agent on the other side did a great job, you know, conveying the importance to that. So it really gave my clients, um, you know, just that security knowing that, you know, if this home run first position doesn't work out, I still got a great second option in my back pocket to where we're not having to go through showings again, put the renters back through that whole ringer. Um, so yeah, it just ended up working out for the best. And it's automatic. It's just, that's, that's automatic. beautiful. I mean, for both the seller and the buyer, or mm-hmm. usually most scenarios, it's, you know, automatic, yeah. which is a great thing. Um, for the buyer, it's great because not other people are coming in. They have to go through the bidding process again. The seller, mm-hmm. 
We said easy peasy, don't have to go through mm-hmm. listings and go back on the market. Mm-hmm. So went through that, um, got the property closed. And I know clients are happy with it. Mm-hmm. They're on finishing out their the, the mountain home. So mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yep. One other question I want to ask, uh, ask about on here, um, just in, in, you know, not so much relation to this property, just the market in general, just, you know, this, this was sold during the hot time, you know, seasonally. And also we had that huge hot time for just with all the COVID mm-hmm. kind of craziness on there. You know, you're very active at deal making, mm-hmm. you know, on the sales side, the buy side, you're one the best out there. What's the competition? Like you got your finger on the pulse. Like mm-hmm. what's it like out there right now? It's a great time to be out in the market right now um, with the second wave of COVID, which is very unfortunate. Um, but the Fed, you know, the the rates were kind of creeping up there a little bit and the Fed did another reduction um, overall. So that brought down the interest rates again to some record low rates and things are kind of going or things are back to our normal seasonal buy and sell trends. Things normally kind of start to cool off when summer starts. That's usually when everyone's starting to travel. And um, and so right now we're seeing a new flux of inventory hitting the market. It's still very, very tight inventory, but it is definitely more than what we were seeing two months ago, let's say. And you have less buyers out there. Um, so we're seeing things, we're getting things uh, under contracts, under list price. We are not having to give away our firstborn child with our offers as well. Um, you know, before we were having to, you know, take away a lot of the contingencies for the buyers on appraisal and on inspection. And so we're able just to go in and just write really good, clean offers out there and still really reserve a lot of rights for the buyers during that appraisal and inspection time. So um, if anyone is on the fence about wanting to get out and shop in the market, this is an amazing time. I had a contractor out not too long ago at a property and he does like a lot of um, like foundation stuff. And he said that probably eight out of 10 properties that he's going to are people ready to list their house, which was music to my ears. Wow, that just really? Means, yeah, more more inventory. Yeah. Um, so great. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great for my buyers. And it's just, it, you just feel, you know, like you're able to do your job a lot better, um, you know, for your clients out on the buy side and and really try and negotiate the best deal for our uh, clients. Well, Lauren, this was, I mean, hats off to you for putting this deal together. I Thank know, you. Appreciate it. I know from the outside, you know, it went smoothly, which means a lot of work went behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I know how that goes. So great job. You know, clients were thrilled. Um, amazing experience for them. And just a good reminder, we talked about the listing side and how this client, hey, f- uh, five, five years ago, bought this property, mm-hmm. uh, built some great wealth. And also, you know, whether you're on the buy side for the, the client or you're in the buyer that bought this property or some out there buying properties now, you can understand it's there's no one great time to buy or sell in history of things. It's going to depend on your time, mm-hmm. the overall market thing, but the market is growing, interest rates are low. Um, it's going to, you can be able to repeat this process again. Now, if you buy this place, would they, are they going to make $500,000 again in five years? I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but you know, very hard to say, but it still makes sense to go out there and play the real estate game. Since Denver's a growing market, interest rates are low, and there's always a way to fit real estate investing into your strategy in the market. And that's what we love doing. So if you guys yep. have questions, reach out to me, reach out to Lauren. We'll sit down, we'll run these analyses. We'll you know, help you figure out everything. 
And that's what we're passionate about and just like, what we're good at as well. So Lauren, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.